0: You know, I was reading an article this week, and the article said, it "says it's about time you treated yourself to a bespoke pair of jeans. And I was like, okay, so I'm, I'm game. And so I read on, and they're describing these jeans that are custom-made and custom-fit to your own personal proportions. And I don't know about you, but that sounded like heavenly, right? Because, I mean, growing up as a kid, I was given three choices, for jeans. Not like today. There's all these different companies. There were three choices. Slim, regular, and husky. And you just look at me, you could say, well, probably slim was never in your cards, right? Yeah, but never. Never could I wear slim jeans. I just, you know, there were always plenty of slim jeans. And regulars were, like, okay, but, you know, if you bought the size that you could actually get up over your backside, they were just, like, loose in the waist. you know, they, they were loose in the waist. And And then, and then the stuff that so it's husky. Oh, okay, it's husky. I, I wore husky jeans and, and you cuz I could get them up over, right? And but now there's these bespoke jeans that they actually tailor fit to you. You don't have to like worry about finding a set of jeans that fit. You can actually go get them made specifically for you and I'm like sold. So I click on the link to a company that makes bespoke jeans and, and I'm looking on there, I'm like, "Okay, so like how much are they?" And I'm looking all I'm, everywhere. It's like, they don't tell you. And I'm like, okay, that means they're expensive, right? They, they don't tell you how much they are. It means that they're more than you think they are. And so I went to a couple other sites, you know, that made bespoke jeans, and I'm like, I couldn't find how much they cost. And so I went online. I said, okay, so what can I expect to pay for a bespoke pair of jeans? You ready? Up to $900 for a pair of bespoke jeans. Well, of course they're gonna fit really nice and feel really good, right? But you're not gonna be married anymore if you go buy a $900 pair of jeans, Tony. And so it's like, yeah, not in my cards. But, and, and then I started looking around and it's like, bespoke, what is bespoke? And I see there's bespoke furniture, there's bespoke cruises, there's bespoke everything. And I'm like, so what does this word mean? And so I'm looking, I know it means expensive, but what, what does it really mean? And, and so I looked, and in the dictionary it says custom made. Well, that makes sense, right? Custom made. But, you know, it's like I've been trained to like look at words and like say, what does it really mean? And so I did some searching, and I found out that it's a little bit more than that, right? You go back, it dates back to like the 1600s. It comes from this verb called bes- to bespeak, uh, meaning to speak for something is really what that verb meant. And then it became known as bespoke. This adjective that started being used in the 17th, 18th century by clothiers, by by tailors, actually in London, where they would make these bespoke suits. Spooks that were spoken for. See, what would happen is you'd walk into a tailor shop, you you would walk in and say, I'd like a suit. And so they would take you into a room where there would be all this fabric, these bolts and stretches of fabric, and, and they would say, Well, which fabric would you like your suit to be made from? And then you would point to that fabric, and and that's what they would make your suit from. The actual, not only not to just your dimensions, but the actual material you would choose. And so if somebody else came in, say like right after you, and they were taken into this room and, and they were to point to the same bolt of fabric, the 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 tailor would say, Well, I, I'm sorry, sir, but that. Fabric is spoken for, right? Except they do it in this really cool British accent, but I don't do that. <laughs> but that's the idea, right? It's not only that it's tailored to you, but you get to pick it, and it's Spain specifically for you and nobody else, which is exactly what I think Paul is saying in today's text. You heard Caleb read just a few minutes ago. He says, God has prepared beforehand these good works For you to walk in it's exactly what he's saying God has created these works for you and these works are created just for you not for her but for you not for him but for you and every one of us he says that he is brought into new life has these new works that are unique to them not that we together couldn't do good works that God has prepared for us to do, but there are good works that he has prepared for only you to do. That's pretty cool, isn't it? In fact, this is what he says. For we are his workmanship, we are his creation recreated in Christ for good works which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in. And they're just waiting for you to walk in them. But if you're like me, maybe you're asking these questions, you know, so what are bespoke good works, Tony? What are they actually? And if they're bespoke, they must be expensive, so what's it going to cost me? right? And then if, if they're expensive and I, I bite, then what do I get out of it? right? What's the gain? And so I'm, I'm really glad you asked those questions because I'm actually prepared to answer those this morning. <laughs> so if you would, before we do that, if you would pray with me as we begin. Father in heaven, I give you glory. And we do come before you, just some eager, some cautious, some doubting. But we know you've called us all here. And so I pray that your word would speak to every single one of us this morning. By the power of your spirit, may your word give each of us a clear view of you, the world around us and of ourselves. I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, would be pleasing in your sight. That your words would be mine. I pray that for Jesus' sake. Amen. So what are bespoke good works? right? What exactly are they? Paul doesn't tell us. right? Directly, he doesn't tell us. But I think he hints at them. And he tells us elsewhere what they are. But here, he really hints at them. And, and so I, I think we can understand what he's saying just from the text that we've read. Now, here, here's the thing I want, I want to tell you. It's a good Bible study tip. If you're ever studying Scripture and you're studying a section of Scripture, pay attention to things that are repeated. Words that are repeated, phrases that are repeated, names that are repeated, because it means something. And, and you should just pause for a minute and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's the fourth time he's mentioned that in the last couple of verses. Like, what is he saying? And he does that here in this text. I don't know if you caught it or not. But he says first in verse 5, he says, we are alive with Christ. Right? The next time he says it in verse 6, he says, we've been raised up with Christ. And then in verse 7, he says, we've been shown kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And finally, he says in verse 10, he's created us in Christ Jesus. Just in those, those short verses, you see the repeat, right? You see Jesus. And so Paul's hinting what these good works are. In fact, he says it clearer in another place in Romans. He says, actually, we should clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the sinful nature, right? But we should clothe ourselves with Jesus. What's he saying? He's saying that when we go about our everyday lives, when we just go about our lives wherever it is we live, as uniquely you, because you're the only one living this life that is given you, it's unique to you, and as you go about your day, wherever it is you go, in your family, in your, in your workplace, in your schools, in your neighborhood, wherever it is you go, go as Jesus. And do as Jesus would do. That's what Paul's saying. These good works are walking with Jesus. It's looking, living, loving like Jesus wherever it is we go. Whatever it is we do, we are looking for opportunities to be Jesus to the world around us. Jesus is always other-centered. He's always looking for opportunities to help those around him, to be involved in the lives of the people around him. And so these good works are our opportunity. He says that God has prepared for us every day. There are opportunities. There are people in your lives. There are situations in your lives that he's designed specifically for you to be Jesus to those people. In your families, in your workplace, in your neighborhoods, in your schools. He's given you an opportunity every day to be Jesus to those people around you. That's the good works Paul's talking about, that God has prepared for you, and they're just out there waiting for you. He says. But now there here's there's that question, right? Well, they sound that sounds expensive. <laughs> like that's going to cost me something, right? And, and the answer is, yeah, it, it, it is, right? And so, what's it going to cost you? Well, it's going to cost you everything. Right? It's going to. Co- I told you they were bespoke good works, so. They're expensive. It's going to cost you everything. But at the same time, it's, it's going to cost you nothing. And so, so like, like well, okay, that sounds like bait and switch. Like, what, you can't, what, what is that? Well, here's what Paul says, or here's, here's what Jesus actually says in Luke. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and daily and follow me. It's going to cost you everything that right now you find important to meet your needs. And not just letting go of those things, right? Because those things, Jesus says elsewhere, are important to us, that we need these things. And that God has given us these things. So really what he's saying is for us to let go of the idea that these things tell us, right? It's like, you're going to be so much happier in that new car rather than that old job that you're driving. Right, your life is going to be so much better. You're going to know your life is better, and and you're going to feel so much better in those bespoke pair of jeans than you would in those, you know, raggedy things you're wearing right now, or even just a real expensive pair. It's because it, all those lies that we're told that this will fill this hole that we we will we will be able to accomplish. It's a lie to look what? It's a lie to look in. Right. To look after my own needs, consider only my needs, what I need, what's best for me. And in that kind of situation, our eyes are never up, right? It's always in here. So what is it going to cost you? It's going to cost you everything. It means you're going to have to lift your head up out of your own situation, out of your own life, out of your own needs. And look to the needs of others. That's what Jesus says. Deny yourself. Sometimes it's denying yourself this idea that this thing is going to be, you know, what makes me. And in another sense, it's going to be denying yourself things, maybe actually not buying that thing or not going there and not doing that. But at the same time, he says, it's going to cost you nothing. Like, how, how is that possible? Well, Remember, this is what Paul said. It's a gift. It's not something you work for. It's a gift. It's been given to you. These these good works have been given to you. They've been prepared, and it hasn't cost you anything. They're there waiting for you. In fact, it's bigger than that. There's a life, there's a whole life you've been given that you didn't work for, that you couldn't work for. In fact, Paul says, you couldn't afford it. In fact, all of you together, pool all your good works together, wouldn't get one of you any closer than you are now to that life. None of you. And your works, forget it. You couldn't afford these good works on your own. Because you're not good enough. In fact, he goes beyond that and says, even if you could afford it, which you can't, you don't deserve them. You don't deserve these good works. You don't deserve this life. He says right before these verses, in 1 through 3, he says this, He says, all of us have lived among them, meaning Gentiles, meaning unbelievers, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. All of us at one time were so inwardly focused, that's all we could see. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. It's like, wait a minute, I thought this was the New Testament. This was good news. It's like, yeah, but that's part of the news, right? That we, before we were saved, deserved nothing but wrath. In fact, Jesus said, to make this point even more severe, he says, don't fear the one who can kill the body. No, no, no. He says, fear the one who can kill the body and throw you into hell. That's the one you need to fear. That's the depth of the problem that Paul is pointing out here, that we all, before Jesus, produced that faith in our life through that good news, deserve nothing but wrath. That's where you were. But he goes on to say, but not because of your good works, not because you, you, you earned it, not because you were special or you wore the right pair of jeans. No, he said, because of God's great love, because of his rich mercy, because of his loving kindness, because of his graciousness, you've been saved. You've been recreated in Christ. You've been given a new life. Not only a new life, you've been given a whole new way of living. And it didn't cost you anything. In fact, you couldn't afford it. You didn't deserve it. But because of God's love, his mercy, his goodness, his kindness, his graciousness. I love that word grace. You should love it too. It's because it's getting what you don't deserve. But because of Jesus, we now have this new life and we have these new works that we can walk in. And it doesn't cost you anything. But at the same time, just because it costs you nothing doesn't mean they're free. Because at the same time, it costs God everything. It costs God the life of his one and only son for you to have this life. For you to have these works to walk in. They're the most expensive suit of clothes you'll ever wear. And it costs you nothing because of God's rich love, mercy, kindness, goodness, and graciousness. So then the question is, so then what, what do I get out of this? What, what do I gain? Which sounds like a selfish question, but that's who we are. It's who I am. What's the benefit? Well, in, in one sense, you gain nothing, <laughs> right? You don't gain anything. And, and yet, in another sense, you gain everything. Like, how, how is that possible? Well, remember what he said back in verse 10. He said, you have been given this life. You were created in Christ. You have been this new creation, right? It's something that God did. It's something that cost him everything. And and, and in essence, you already have this life. He says, you've already been seated with Jesus. You've already been recreated in him. You gain nothing because in essence, you already have everything. There's nothing more you need. In fact, the Apostle Peter says this in, in 2 Peter chapter 1. He says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him. Everything we need. We already have. We don't need it for anything. We already have everything we need. Because of the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And it's through these, that's his glory and goodness, that he has given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them, those promises, you may participate in the divine nature. You may participate in the life of Jesus. You may walk in the steps of of Jesus, you may participate in these good works of Jesus in the world around you, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires, escaped by the grace of Jesus. You now have the Spirit of God living in you. In one sense, you gain nothing, because you already have everything. And at the same time, you gain everything. You gain a life that everything in this world tells you you can have, but delivers nothing. And the word says that you already have, there's nothing else you need, but in having nothing more that you need, you already have everything you need. You already have a life that's a gift. You already have a life that's magnificent. That's who you are. See, we just keep believing in the lie that there's things that we have to do to be this person that God has created us to be. But he says in his word right now, you're already that person. You're already seated with Christ. You are already participating in the divine nature because the divine nature lives in you. That's who you are. Quit buying into the lie that you need to do something else. But in order to experience this life, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you taking your eyes off of yourself and looking at the world around you. It's going to cost you actually looking to Jesus and Jesus tapping you on your shoulder, says, Over there, over there. It's like, that's what it takes. But that's who you are already. And it's by the grace of God that that is who you are. And I love this quote from Richard Lenski. He says this: "He says, as the sun was created to shine, the rose give forth its delightful fragrance, the bird to fly, so we are created anew to do good works, and thus to glorify Him who created us as what we are in Christ Jesus." That is who you are. Those of you in, in whom the good news has kindled that fire of faith. That ability to believe, the moment you believe you are righteous in God's sight, you have been saved, you are new. The old is gone, the new has come. That is who you are, but we are still living in a world that that lies, and we buy into the lie. And and God's Word is is telling us, and Paul is telling us, that these works are, are yours. All you need do is walk in them. That's all we need to do is walk in these works. To be who God has created us to be. To actually lift our heads up out of our own lives and to look at the world around us. And and he promises to direct our steps. But we have to take our eyes up and look. To see where it is we walk and we already know how we should walk. But we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. That's who you are. That's what Scripture's saying. Stop buying into the lie. Let me ask you one last question. If, if, if you were fortunate enough that someone gave you a $900 bespoke pair of jeans or a $12,000 bespoke suit, would you just leave them hanging up in the closet and never wear them? Right? It's like, oh, those are too fancy for me to wear. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that kind of person. I like my jeans and my T-shirt. Really? Seriously? If, 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 if someone gave you a pair of jeans like that, you, you think you'd never wear them? So you've got this most expensive suit of clothing hanging up in your closet. It's there every day waiting for you to just put on and go. Right? And, and, and he said, that's all you need to do. It's right there. Why would we just leave them hanging and and, and settle for this life of, of, you know, ripped up jeans and T-shirts? I know it's comfortable, but Jesus is saying this. Paul is saying this, this. All the gospel writers are saying this. When you walk in this suit of clothing, you'll understand. When you actually walk in the steps of Jesus you'll see those ripped up jeans and t-shirts, you'll see just how filthy they are. Right? You'll start understanding when your wife says, yeah, you should have gotten rid of those Zubas a long time ago. They're saying, once you walk in these clothes, you won't desire to go back to that. Paul's saying, walk in these clothes. God's saying to all of us this morning, just walk in them. That's the life I've created for you. Not for anyone else, but for you. I've created this life and it's waiting for you right now to walk in. Would you pray with me? Almighty God. Not only have you. everything for the life that we have. You've continued to work in this world to give us opportunities to live in that life, to be the person that you've created us to be so that the world may see Jesus. Father, I pray that you would give us courage today. Courage to pick our eyes up out of our own lives, to trust that you are there, that you will provide for us. That we could walk these steps in your footsteps that we could walk in the clothes of Jesus that we could be Jesus to the world. Father, give us the courage. Father, I pray for those this morning that are still questioning. I pray for those that are still doubting this morning that this seems like this seems too good to be true. Father, I pray that your word would continue to percolate and, and ruminate in their heart that they would understand that this is true that that is exactly how much they mean to you that you would give your life for everyone every one of us Father, I pray this morning that your word would just change us and we pray to you praying the prayer your Amen.